Good morning. We're going to begin a new series this morning that's going to be based, believe it or not, on the passage that was just read. Sermon uh, series is going to deal with fruit of the Spirit, which is such an important thing for us to think about and, and more importantly to become in the world as it is. And I want to begin this morning with just a, a quick question. Have you ever thought how important it is to walk? Or how important walking is to life. I mean, it's kind of like breathing. I mean, nobody really thinks about breathing, but it's so essential to life. In fact, you don't really think about breathing until you can't breathe. And it's probably the same thing with walking. But think about the first moments in a human's life. You know, my granddaughter's four years old. There was a point in which she was beginning to uh, pull herself up and beginning to try to take those first steps towards us, trying to imitate us. And what, what happens whenever you have a little baby that's trying to walk? I mean, every adult in the room kind of goes crazy, clapping their hands and come on, come on, and coaxing that little baby to walk. In my granddaughter's, uh, uh, in, in her life though, she was so much faster crawling that even when she started walking, she saw something that she wanted. She crawled towards it, and we have to say, why, why aren't you walking? Or, or think about dating. How is it that you know that a relationship with the opposite sex has begun with some of the, your friends? When you're in school is when they begin to walk with a girl or they begin to walk with a guy down the hallway. I went to a Christian college in the late 70s, the early 80s, and during that period of time, if, if you saw a, a guy and a gal walking on campus more than three times together, you thought automatically that they're engaged and they're about to get married. If you played sports and you felt some kind of a pain, you either got knocked down or you got bumped, you got elbowed or something, what is it that the coach would always say to you to get you past the pain? Walk it off. Later in life, walking becomes a decision, a daily decision for health. How many of you try to get 10,000 steps in a day or more? I mean, there have been a couple of times, in fact, there have been quite a few lately that, you know, about 9 o'clock at night, I look down at my phone, it says I've got 9,589 steps, and I'm a little bit goal-oriented, and so I've got to get that 10,000 in, and so I begin walking laps around the living room, the kitchen, the dining room, the utility room, into the garage, back out, into the bedrooms, until I get to 10,000 steps. Walking is a big deal. Walking is also a big deal in the Bible. A couple of verses. We'll, go, we'll just start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. You all know this one. Enoch, one of the early humans, walked faithfully with God and then he was no more because God took him. Then we go to the next righteous human being, Noah. Genesis chapter 6. He's a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he, say it, walked faithfully with God. Genesis chapter 17, the next righteous man, Abraham. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appears to him and says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Over and over, it's about walking with God in the Bible. But it's also about maybe you shouldn't be walking with other kinds of individuals. So we go to the Psalms. Very first Psalm, very first verse in the very first Psalm, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. What makes walking in the Bible a big deal are the decisions that you make on a daily basis with whom you're going to walk with or whom you're not going to walk with. And when you think about walking in, in the Bible and all of the things that it means, it means a bunch of things as a metaphor, but you can really kind of crystallize it. 
boil it down to two things. The first is when you're walking with somebody, it's about a destination. There is a place that you're trying to get to. There is a place that you're trying to arrive at. And then number two, not only is it a destination, but it's a relation. When you walk with somebody, you're saying, this is who I'm with. When Ellen and I, on that same Christian college, and when we were about, uh, about a month into dating, and we were walking around together, you know, I was basically saying, I'm with her and she's with me. It's a destination and it's a relation. Now the passage that was read by Sam just a minute ago is God's description of what a human being looks like. It's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now it's not a list, even though I don't have any problems with treating it like a list, but like lots of lists in the Old Testament, it's really just a compilation of, of the attributes of what a person who is living by the Spirit looks like. And we call it the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that through the Spirit begin to blossom in your life. Now if we have any self-awareness at all, if we have any self-awareness whatsoever, we know deep down in our thought life, our heart, our soul, our actions, our affections, all of these things, that we have a long, long way to go to get there to that list. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, I've got a long way to go. And I would add, if you have any awareness of the people around you, you know that everyone around you has a long way to go. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you've got a long way to go as well. I don't know why it is, when you're telling somebody that, it always seems to be with much more relish. <laughs> There is a phrase in both the Old Testament and the New Testaments that describe the root reason for why we have such a long way to go. It's two words, warped and crooked. Crooked and warped. You find Deuteronomy chapter 32, Philippians chapter 2. If you've been to my office in the last month, you know that I have two pieces of wood in my office. One is straight, the other one is warped. And it's warped because something got inside of it the something that got inside of it distorted the wood. That something that got inside of it twisted the wood. And if nothing happens, that piece of wood is going to continue to be warped. It cannot unwarp itself. Now like that piece of wood, something has gotten inside of human beings and it has twisted every one of us. We call it evil. We call it fallenness, we call it the sinful nature, we call it sin, we call it any number of things, but we recognize it as something that is twisting us as human beings. We have twisted thoughts, we have twisted actions, our desires in life, what we want at the root of our being is twisted. We have twisted appetites, and because all of that stuff is twisted, our relationships are twisted. Human beings are impossibly twisted. Just watch the news. And humans are not very close to the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control version of themselves. Now one of the things that we continually emphasize around here is that Jesus Christ gave his life for us, not only to save us and for us to experience forgiveness, but also for us to get his kind of life. One writer puts it this way, 
When we think about the way that human beings are twisted, there is absolutely nothing that can inform, guide, and sustain radical and radiant goodness in the human being other than a true vision of God and the worship of God based thereon. Only this vision that God is God, that in worship he is preeminent and we give our lives to him, only this vision can jerk the twisted condition of humanity right. Now, this is one of the things that God loves to do. God looks at us and sees the version of us that fallenness has created. And, and one of the things that God loves to do is this, and this is the big idea. God loves to untwist what is twisted. Every person you see is a candidate to be untwisted. Every person you know is a candidate to be untwisted by God and by God's power. Think about Zacchaeus there in Jericho. Zacchaeus climbs up a sycamore tree, a crook, but he comes down a saint. Paul leaves Jerusalem for Damascus, a hitman for the Pharisees, and he returns a fool for Christ. That's what God loves to do, to untwist what is twisted. So how does this happen in your life? How do I become the fruit of the Spirit version of myself that allows me to look like Jesus and to act like Jesus, to speak like Jesus, to speak like the Messiah and to be like the Messiah in every circumstance? It's found in verse 16. You have to walk by the Spirit. You have to walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, you walk the warp out. You walk the warp of being a fallen human being out. When you become a child of God, you receive from God as a gift the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that Holy Spirit is a power that comes into your life that helps you accomplish God's will for your life. And he has a bunch of wills for your life, but one of them is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that you be conformed to the image of his Son. So you got to do two things, two daily decisions. The first one, determine the destination. You're walking with the Spirit. You have to determine your destination. When you get to a destination, you get there because you thought about the way to get there. I mean, it, how do you get to your destination if you don't know where you're going? I mean, it's, it's sort of clicheic. I don't even know if that's a word, but if it is, it's just been invented. Congratulations for being here, the birth of a new English word. It is a cliche, but it's so right. If you don't have a target, if you'll hit it every time, right? Your destination as a disciple of Jesus is more than this building. Your destination as a disciple of Jesus is more than just a pew in this auditorium in this building. God is concerned about a certain kind of you and a certain kind of you and a certain kind of me. That's one of the reasons that Christ came and lived among us. I mean, if the only reason that Jesus came was to die for us in order for us to be forgiven, in order that we might go to heaven, then why does he have to live 33 years? He lives X number of years as a model. 
as an example. He's demonstrating, he's illustrating, he's manifesting that this is what a person looks like when the kingdom of God has entered them and they have entered the kingdom of God. That is one of the reasons that he came in all kinds of situations, all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of emotional uh, happenings. It was to show us how to live. Now you'll notice before the fruit of the Spirit is given that Paul describes the acts of the flesh in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. He's basically saying this is, this is what you're moving away from. The acts of the flesh are obvious beginning in verse 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, this is what you're moving away from, and this is what you're heading towards. Verse 22, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, every once in a while, you run into a person that says, you know, that's not so judgmental. All of that, 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 that stuff, the first stuff, I mean, who are you really to say that that's not a good life? Who are you to say that that's the kind of life that you should be moving away from? It's so sort of judgmental. I would just ask, okay, when you think about the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, which one of these do you want? Do you want the sexually immoral, impure, debauched, witch, hatred, discourse, fits of rage? Or do you want somebody that lives by the fruit of the Spirit? You have to determine the destination. This is what I look like. When, you th when somebody says to you, you know, what does Jesus look like? How do you know that you're living according to Jesus? One of the ways you can describe his life is the fruit of the Spirit. Was Jesus patient? Was he loving? Was he self-controlled? You determine the destination and then finally you choose your companion. Choose who you're going to follow. Choose your, who you're going to travel with. You know, there are two ways to do this, right? As a guy, and, um, you know, I will freely confess that, man, I hate asking for directions. I really do. Sometimes I have to because I'm in a hurry. But most of the time, and I don't know why it's when I'm in the car with Ellen, that she says, do you know where you're going? And I say, I think I do. And she doesn't even ask anymore, well, do you want me to look it up on GPS? She just starts looking it up. And it's been a very good help, and she knows me better than I know myself and loves me, so she does it. But here's the, the crazy thing. So she looks it up on the GPS. I'm, I'm following. I'm listening to the GPS lady, and I get to where it is that I'm going. And I get out of the car, and the people ask, did you have any trouble getting here? And I say, no, piece of cake. I found it. It's no problem. Easy, easy to get to. I never say, you know, that GPS lady really knows her way around this city. I never say that. I take credit for it. And that's what happens a lot of times when we, when we approach the Bible and we make it just a rule book and it becomes about how good or how poorly, how well or how poorly we follow these rules when all along Jesus is calling us to follow him. Now that's one way that you get to a destination, right? You just follow the, the rules. The second way is, and this has happened to all of us, I think, it, we, we ask directions, and they say, hey, you know, I know exactly where that is. Let me get in the car, and why don't you follow me? And the only thing you have to do is just keep your eye on the person you're following, and they will get you to that place. And this is one of the, this is the first homework assignment. This is the kind of the, the, our job description when it comes to living by the Spirit. And it is, as verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step 
with the Spirit. At your conversion, the Holy Spirit moved into your life to give you life. Christianity is not a sink or swim religion. Christianity is not a do the best you can religion. Christianity is not just a new set of rules or regulations kind of religion. Christianity is not a new life. We're just trying to turn over a new, uh, a new leaf, but it is a new life kind of religion. It is by the Spirit that we become authentically and honestly Christ-like. In, you know, all, in, all the time, in, in, in rising above the circumstances and, and rising above the adversity, we are authentically and honestly becoming Christ-like through and through that even when we find ourselves in those messed up moments, we still are bearing that fruit of the Spirit. Anything other than that is the fruit of me. And it doesn't last. But we, brothers and sisters, are called to bear the fruit of the Spirit as we walk and keep in step with the Spirit. Amen? Let's stand and sing.